Kelsey Steele some time. Here's the USL's Kelsey Steele. Welcome into Steele some time. Final week of the regular season. We're amped to be here. Kelsey Steele, Scott Steele, and our producer, Matt Cowell, here with you today. Gentlemen, did you have a nice weekend? I did. I did have a nice weekend. Uh, there's a deal that expires tomorrow, by the way. It's a universal. You buy their park-to-park pass. And you can go at any day, if you buy it today, you can go at any day through December 24. So oh, wow. we're, hitting, we're hitting up Universal a lot from, um, from this point on. So yeah, fantastic weekend. Pumped yeah. for you. That's a heck of a deal. Nothing like an amusement park during a pandemic, Scott. Yeah, I know. Trust me. And I was walking around and they're like, it's legit. They, they're like heavy on the mask. They're like heavy on the like, Someone told me they've got like a facial recognition system and they can like see when you're like moving around. And I was like, dog, I'm never giving this park my money again because like anti-government over here. But um, yeah, it was um, it'll be it'll be an experience from here on out. I feel like we also probably need to give some kudos out of the gate here to our own Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, come on now. 2020 Stanley Cup champions. Uh, My Columbus Blue Jackets crushed their dreams last year. So I'm happy for them, for them uh, to to be able to get the redemption in 2020. You couldn't couldn't just leave it with the compliment, right? You had to to stick the knife in too while you're doing it. I want to make it known that like I'm, I'm happy for our city, but I am not going to suddenly jump on to be a bandwagon fan. I'm not, I'm not that kind of girl, but I'm, I'm happy for our people. Scott I, is. I am that kind of guy. I said I lifelong fan of the local hockey team. So I'm out here just celebrating. <laughs> <my time. laughs> this is what happens when you go city to city. You just gotta, you gotta be a fan of the teams of the city you're in. So like big Rays guy now go baseball. Uh, all five season games, you know, so we're, we're out here just adopting it. Well, Scott, I have, uh, I have some good news for you today and I've been, I'm excited to share it with you. Um, and I, I just feel like I need to make this known before we go any further in the show today. I am officially giving Game of Thrones a go. Oh, um, what this? What was, what's been this crazy interest in it now? It, it, there's not, uh, there's not a crazy interest in it. Um, my man friend uh, has read every single book, and um, I need to have a conversation. Yeah, so read every single book, and I think he's seen the series like twice or something, three times. I don't know. So I finally gave in, and I think that because I I tried Game of Thrones like once, what is it, a year or two ago? You and I had a conversation about it, and I made it to like the second season, and I was like. There's just, just too much going on. Like, there's just, I, I can't keep up with the names and I wasn't invested. And so now I think that I have somebody where I can like pause it every like 10, you know, 15 seconds and be like, okay, wait, what does, what does that mean? And what's that person's name? And I can, you know, my, my phone was confiscated during, <laughs> during the three episodes that we watched last night. So um, please I'm tell excited. me you don't pause and ask the questions. You wait till the end of the episode, please. Dog, I was going to be cool with five, 10 to 15 minutes, and then you said seconds, and I was like, mm. That might be a little exaggerated. Yeah, maybe five to 10 minutes, but um, I'm, give, I'm giving it a go, so um, I'll, I'll keep you posted as the, my journey continues. But as a big Game of Thrones guy, I, I had to share this with you today. Listen, and I'm, I'm one, I'm thrilled that you're embarking on what is ultimately going to be an incredible journey up until <laughs> about season six, but... Uh, 
I think it's really important to like watch it with somebody who knows what they're talking about too. Cause there is so much, right? Like when I was first yeah. watching it, I had somebody who had read all the books and I had not read any of the books when I first started watching the show. And like, there is so much going on. Like you need that like knowledge to rely on and like keep you, keep you focused, keep you centered. So like just strap in Kel, strap in. It's going to be a, I don't know if you'll love it, but it'll be a ride for sure. It, the piece of advice I've been given um, is that just to make sure I don't get attached to anyone. Um, so I will say that I know how the first season ends. I do remember like when I gave it a go a year or two ago that I was like so pissed by the, am I allowed to say that? I don't know. I was so upset by the final episode of season one that I was like, should have under, should have understood that, that was going to be kind of foreshadowing of how they were just going to cut characters left and right. Dude, but like, and in, in we can drop it after this, but I'll just say as a very emotional person, attach yourself to them because then you rob yourself of like just as much of the glory and the pain than the glory of their actual glory. So like, you gotta, you, you gotta get into it. You know, you gotta, you gotta invest in people. Do you know her at all, Scott? Huh? Do you know Kelsey at all? No, not, not a whole lot. We've spent like uh, an occasional minute. We actually spent about three minutes in person the other day, which was, um, refreshing you know reminding me that she is a real person indeed and not just my computer i thought you were gonna say the highlight of your month did you forget yeah. you know uh, what it's been, a, it's been a big month though kel so just like don't take it don't take it personally you know there's just a lot going on around these parts i don't know if you heard but the local hockey team won the championship so we have like hockey. Said, it's been a big month that being said we're moving into some positive stories scott um, I'll, I'll keep you posted on my uh, Game of Thrones journey. So I'm excited to be here. Uh, so I got to know here, do you have a favorite pizza place, Scott Stewart? Oh, wow. Like chain or local? I'm going to go chain. Like, I feel like everyone has like the one chain that they like sacrifice themselves for, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And they don't have it down here, which is okay because I've made peace with it. But I'm a huge Donato's guy. The thin crust. Yes! Huge Donato's yeah. guy. That's a Midwest thing. Score. Yeah. Oh. Score. Yeah, Donato's, Donato's is probably like the most money of fast food pizza. Love Donato's. Well, we've got a pizza fast theme story of the week. So I hope, I hope you enjoy this one. So Carlos Valdez and his wife are absolute diehard Papa John's pizza fans. They, yeah, not, not my choice. Anyways, so much so that they actually have a favorite delivery man <laughs> and a man and by Derlin Newey, who just happens to be 89 years old. Scott, this man is 89 years old, and he's still out there, you know, hustling, delivering pizzas, you know. he They became so impressed with this guy and, like, his charming manner. He's so friendly that they started filming all of his deliveries and posting them to their TikTok because 2020 – Keep in mind that this TikTok couple has over 53,000 followers. So <laughs> I guess in some of the feedback on these videos, people were saying how like upset they were that this man was 89 years old and still having to work it, let alone something that's like pretty physical, you know, delivering pizzas. So they actually reached out to their entire TikTok community and raised $12,000 
for uh, this gentleman. So this past Tuesday, they actually showed up with a surprise delivery at his house um, with T-shirts that read, hello, are you looking for some pizza? And a giant check of $12,069 in the other and, and gifted this special delivery man with, um, I would have to say, the biggest tip of his life. At, at this point, um, but I thought that was like absolutely the, the sweetest story ever. I guess all he was doing was trying to supplement his social security, you know, by by putting in some hours every week. But um, the whole thing is recorded from his reaction and, and, and everything. So you can find it online if you're looking to see it. But positive acts of kindness, it's it's the kind of stories that you just love to hear. Dude, especially like in COVID season when people are already strapped for like income and stuff, like to, to go yeah. above and beyond in giving is a really cool thing. I would, I don't even know if I would have been able to show up at his door though. I would have been crying before we even gave him the check. You know what I mean? It's just like, just one of those things where it's just like, you, you change somebody's life doing stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, feed me all those quite literally, whether it's pepperoni or it's a, a big check, I'll take either one. But like, that is that is truly deserving of our, our feel good story of the week. I love it. People doing uh, I think at this time more than ever to a feel good story or just random act of kindness like that. It, it makes all the difference. And it's just like that positive vibe we kind of need in this absolute crazy of a year that we're having. So also good for him for being 89 and getting out there like one. I don't want to live to 89 Two, if I am living to 89 like. I hope that I'm just like, you can just park me in front of a TV and just play reruns of USL championship games. And I'll just like, what income I have is the income I have, you know, just like feed me the occasional protein shake or something to keep me alive. You're just an easy man. Just, just <laughs> eat some Game of Thrones and protein shake and some USL championship and he's happy. Plain Jane over here, you know, <laughs> plain Jane. Don't even need ketchup with fries. Just like, give me the basics. <laughs> Okay, that's the way to Scott Stu's heart in case anybody was, was wondering. All right, positive vibes are, are in tow. We're moving on to uh, our, our week 14 recap because we have so much to talk about and we're getting right into buy or sell this week, Scott, because there's a few questions on the board that I'm hoping you're able to give me an answer on because obviously and we'll talk about this later into week 15, but coming out of week 14, we're left with five question marks heading into this last week of play. So we're going to take a look here at week 14 with our first buy or sell question. So in a drastic turn of events, Pittsburgh's 1-0 loss to Hartford on Saturday has completely shaken up Group F. So with a win over Philadelphia Union 2 on Wednesday and New York Rebels 2 on Saturday, Hartford Athletic actually has the chance to overtake Pittsburgh in Group F and completely win the group altogether. Up until, you know, a week, two weeks ago, we thought this was a shoe-in for Pittsburgh, and now the group could possibly not be theirs. So... Are you going to buy or sell Hartford Athletic as the winner of Group F? Mm. Well, one, I'm annoyed at Pittsburgh right now. I think that needs to that needs to be said out loud. Less annoyed by Pittsburgh directly and more just that, like, they're just letting Louisville walk into the one seat for the Eastern Conference, which there's nothing wrong with They that. had one job. One they job. Had one job. <laughs> they had one job. And I, I love Louisville, and I love the fact that they would be able to be there too. But, like, I just thought this would be it for Pittsburgh. Like, they can go back-to-back. One seeds in the Eastern Conference, which for a Bob Lilly team, like that's the expectation. But um, I'm going to buy Hartford winning Group F because I just feel like 
I don't know. Like Hartford has always been a team this year, at least, where like they've had a little bit of a roller coaster, but like more highs than lows. And that's what we've liked about Hartford. Like the turnaround, like Charlotte, the turnaround has just been drastic, right? It's been huge. But for Roddy Jotty and his team, this has obviously been the most challenging year of any circumstance for any of our teams. So to see a team like Hartford be able to hopefully host a playoff game, hopefully in front of socially distanced fans as well, like certainly not Hartford's first expectation of hosting a playoff game and what that would look like. But um, I'm going to take it mainly because Philly doesn't have anything to play for. New York does not have anything to play for. So just like on paper, it looks like the the job is done for Hartford. Um, in saying that, though, like – you, you just can't let your guard down for a second, right? Like New York literally hung five last week. So like, although these teams don't have anything to play for, it doesn't mean that they don't care about still getting a result and like finishing the season on a high. So I'm more confident in their ability to get over Philly Union two than I am New York Red Bulls two, but I'm still going to buy it just because I feel like at, to this point, now Hartford's sitting in pole position and they're like, we owe it to ourselves now for everything from the beginning of this pandemic to now to finish this strong and man even after their game a few weeks ago where the two of them met I don't know if Hartford left that saying to themselves like we can still win the group you would hope they would but like the time is now so yeah I'll buy that one I'll buy that one and I I love that I get to buy that one for Hartford solely Hartford's riding a four game unbeaten streak as well so they're feeling the momentum heading into this week but you're talking about the weight of a six point swing in a single week that's that's no uh, you cannot take that lightly. That is not an easy swing by any means. Um, but you have to think that, that that winner of the group is enough to kind of push them through to that because that, that would drastically change a, a lot of things, and especially when you're looking at the way that they're going to land in that bracket here in a week and a half. Well, and like as Group F, you're playing one of Louisville or potentially Indy or St. Louis. If I'm Hartford, I want – a struggling Indy 11 team or a, a, a St. Louis FC team who isn't really struggling, but is still like on the outside looking in much more that I would like to travel to Louisville for our first playoff game of the year. So that's just added motivation. They know that at, in terms of where they're at positionally, they would rather have Indy or St. Louis than go to Louisville. So that alone should be enough motivation to get it over the line. Speaking of the Eastern Conference, Saturday night's going to decide who goes home with the most points in the Eastern Conference, all right? So Tampa Bay sits at 33 points. Louisville City sits at 32 points. The Rowdies, although, they're back home, and they're undefeated at Alang this season, whereas Louisville City, they're undefeated in their last 10 games. So you've got two clubs that could possibly swing three points each here. That being said, you can only pick one or the other. So who are you buying and who are you selling for the most points in the Eastern Conference in 2020? I think I'd be dumb not to buy Louisville, right? Like I think at this Woo! point, and that's with all due respect to the Rowdies too, because I think, but you look at Tampa Bay's meetings against Char or Charleston this year and they have not gone in their favor, right? And I don't, it's not that they couldn't do it on Saturday night, but like Louisville against SKC too, the ability for Louisville to end up obviously taking the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, like, it, the stars have really aligned for John Hackworth and Louisville City FC. And the Rowdies – Heard that before. Huh? Heard that before, heard yeah. that before, Just a few times or like the last three years or something like that for Louisville. But um, I think for Tampa Bay, it would be a major disappointment if they didn't beat Charleston, mainly because they've had such an incredible year. And, like, 
this has been their strongest year in a while as well. So to not get that done would be a bit of a bummer. I don't think that Tampa Bay is looking at like we'd rather play Birmingham or Charlotte so they can kind of get that weight off their back. And hopefully that allows them to play with a little bit more freedom. But like Charleston, man, they won't have that 16th game that we know of right now. So they want to win this game because they could potentially jump Tampa Bay on the points per game if that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. The onus is much more on Tampa Bay to get the job done, which is why I'm favoring Louisville and I'm going to buy them as our, our point winner for the Eastern Conference. So it, I feel like for you it's a little bit of a combination of not believing that Tampa Bay can get the job done and looking at a matchup for Louisville City in Week 15 and knowing that they have a better chance of, of getting three points than Tampa Bay does. Yeah, I mean, it's just like I'm, I'm a very analytical person when I look at this, right? Yeah. And so the odds are much more stacked against the Rowdies than they are Louisville right now. Like yeah. SKC2, you know, they have a potential to do some really bad things to Indy 11 on Wednesday night. But like going into Saturday, yeah, I know. Going into Saturday, all they're going to want to do is like, all right, well, we, this is it for us. So like three points is not top of our mind. For Charleston, they're going into Allang Stadium on Saturday saying three points is a must if we want to top these guys at the end of the year. So it's just like when I look at it solely again on paper, when I'm writing my, making my little T list, my pros and cons, a lot more cons for Tampa Bay than there are for Louisville right now. That brings us to our third and final buy or sell of the day. And uh, this one's got to be the Golden Glove, Scott, because it's a weird one this year. As our own Nicholas Murray pointed out last week, the goalkeeper with arguably the best chance to win the USL Championship's Golden Glove at the end of the season isn't even on the current leaderboard. That's that's how much lays with Week 15 at the moment. So here's the facts. The Golden Glove requires a goalkeeper to have played at least 50% of his club's minutes during a regular season, which is kind of where the catch-22 stands with, with two of these guys. So Pittsburgh's Danny Viatello needs to play all 180 minutes of Pittsburgh's final two games. So the the from from start to finish in week 15 he's got to play both games he played on saturday so he needs to play all 90 this saturday then you have charleston's joe kuzminski whose numbers are literally almost identical to uh vitello's so kuzminski can get to that 720 minute mark which is what he needs to get to uh if he plays both of the batteries games this week so I'll obviously a lot up in the air. We've got a lot of scenarios here, um, but we're still not solely convinced or know who we can't really pinpoint yet who's going to win the 2020 Golden Glove. So my question for you, Scott, are you going to buy or sell that one of these two keepers who aren't on the current leaderboard win the 2020 Golden Glove? That's a loaded one. I'm going to sell Joe. I'm selling okay. Joe. Because I feel like Saturday night at Al Lang will be like a two-two, so I don't. Yeah, I don't think I'm that draw there. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be able to keep two clean sheets um, okay. in Miami. Like I know Charleston's going to Miami on Wednesday night, but like I have lost all confidence in Miami even getting on the score sheet, let alone like winning that game. So, but but I think Saturday night is a, enough alone for me to feel like um, it won't be Joe for Pittsburgh. 90 minutes against Philly, Pittsburgh being Pittsburgh, it could be a 1-0, it could be a 5-1, it could be anything like that. I'm a lot more confident in Danny's ability to get that done. So I'm, I think I'm going to buy 
him being able to win the Golden Glove because it's just 190 minutes and it's against one of the lowest attacking output teams in the Eastern Conference in Philly. So Pittsburgh, knowing they need to win that game, I think obviously they are just as much attacking as they are defensive. Assuming he plays, I'll buy because I feel like, and wow, that would just break my heart for like the, the likes of Brandon Miller. Uh, yeah. That guy has just like, he's been through it this season in so many different ways. But, um, but I think, again, mathematically, the odds are in Danny's favor to get it over the line. So I'll buy. I'll buy. Congratulations, Pittsburgh, on your 1-0 win and your clean sheet this weekend. Already, already dumped by Scott. He's calling it now. <laughs> Listen, week week fourteen thoughts. There they are. I think another big note out of week fourteen, obviously, is that Phoenix Rising has clinched their place in the playoffs. One of those that we knew were coming. It was just a matter of when they were going to finally get that um, security surrounding that. But guess what? We're going to have uh, the one and only Jeff to talk about that and all of our week 15 implications coming up. So he was unofficially dubbed Steel Sometimes Most Sought After Guest in 2019. His feelings have been hurt. He's been waiting for his number to be called. Week 15's here. We're calling on him. And our expert's coming in. He's going to answer some of our questions heading into the final week of the regular season. So without further ado, when we return, the Athletics' Jeff Reuter is going to be joining us. Hey, soccer fans. This is Jeff Reuter of The Athletic, and you're listening to Steal Some Time. The Athletics' Jeff Reuter joins us now. Jeff, so good to have you back on the pod. Thanks for joining us today. It's been a year. I think it's been a year. You, you like buttered me up with the whole, like, you're the first guest of Steal Some Time. And I was like, oh, this is great. Like, I'll be able to have recurring like, thoughts about this. And then we go through the entire USL season. Nothing. So thank you. It is great to finally be here. waiting patiently, Jeff. We, I'm home. I'm home. You're home. You're home. And we're happy to have you. And it's a perfect time to have you because we've got so many USL items that we have to get your hot takes on today. I know you love giving them. So here I am about to give you the Steal Some Time platform yet again uh, to, to do so. So first order of business here, obviously everything is just different in, in 2020, including the championships postseason scenarios. So right. here obviously we have two teams per group qualifying for a spot in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. curious to hear your take on that because we're looking at a, a very different impact on the group scenarios for the 2020 postseason. Yeah, and particularly in two groups, maybe three, um, where you're also going to start running into situations where the, the uneven number of games, where some teams will play 16, some will play 15, and with the math work where the, the team with 15 would somehow move up to first place if they'd play that other game. So uh, I, I think that the, the scenarios make it difficult. But I will say, too, that the, just the pure group staginess of it where you know that you have to finish top two and you can't finish third in this group. I think that there's something that at least makes it very easy to kind of zero in on which matchups you're looking for compared to like the open table of years past where you're saying like, okay, well, if they do this and they do this and they do this, you know, I think that it's much easier to see what we're watching for throughout this week. Um, I I will also say that I, I like how the bracket forms as a result. I think that this is much easier than trying to say, okay, well, do you want to get the sixth seed where you're going to be on the road uh, against the three, or do you want to get the seven seed so you get to at least host a game against the 10? You know, like that, it, it's really fun. And it, there's a sort of gamesmanship that you hear about a lot from coaches and players about, do I want six or seven? 
but you don't have to worry about this year. Maybe next year, probably next year, right? But we don't know what next year is going to look like. We don't know if there's going to be a world next year. So um, I, I will say that, yeah, there are unique challenges, but they're, they're fun. I think that there's been a sporting way to get into this format, and I appreciate that. Over in Group B, we have a club in Phoenix Rising that still hasn't won their group. They did finally clinch uh, a playoff spot this past week. But if you look on social media for literally a second, it's clear that Phoenix, that people still think Phoenix Rising is the team to beat in, in 2020. Would you consider Phoenix to be the favorite going into the postseason? I don't even know if they're the favorite in their conference. Um, I, and I think that there's a um, – I get it. Like I, I totally see it. And I think that if you're – this is that whole if you play the game on paper thing, like Phoenix runs away with the league. I have no doubt in my mind about that. The hard part is that you haven't necessarily seen the same sort of ruthlessness uh, that you saw from them throughout 2019 in particular when they're on their whole, like, look, we didn't need Drogba campaign last season as they broke every single record in the league in the regular season. Um, they haven't had that same sort of, yes, they have like a plus 23 goal difference, but they're not like going into games thinking, okay, we're going to win this 1-8-1. One, one against a team that's going to be in the playoffs as well. They're not really doing that same sort of, uh, I don't care what we leave in our wake and how many people complain about it. I think that they're, they're being held closer. I think every single team this year has had that Phoenix matchup circled on their calendar and, and they're rising to that level too, to be fair. I mean, like some of the results uh, aren't games you would expect a Phoenix rising to drop. Right. So I, I think that there's still another level of Phoenix. But if I just have to say, like, who has earned the right of being the favorite, it's San Antonio. But then you look at San Antonio's group and you're like, OK, uh, I every I love all of my children equally. Right. But I don't think that they've had the same competition within their group as you're seeing in Group B. So it's like, say that because Scott and I talked about this a few weeks back where Landon Donovan um, in, in a post-game interview pretty much came out and said that there was no question that Group B was the most competitive group in the USL mm. Championship. Like, no questions asked. Mm. Um, and so Scott and I had a nice discussion about that. And you've had a few months now to get analysis of these groups. You talk about Group D in, in San Antonio not necessarily being in the toughest group. Right. So in your opinion, which group do you think is, is the toughest group this season? Uh, I think this season it's been Group E. I'm just to completely zag to the other half. No, because that's the that's the direction Scott and I have pretty much gone down. Right. I mean, it's like it's the one competitive MLS two team this season. They're the most competitive, I should say. I guess like Galaxy two have been as well, to be fair. But I, I think the Sporting Kansas City two have done much better because they have like a larger youth talent pool in MLS had a changed rule once the season restarted where USL players had to go through a 10 day quarantine if they're going to go up and down from the parent club to uh, the USL affiliate. And so as a result, you saw less of like what Real Monarchs did to perfection last season or what every other team tends to do where it's okay, well, we need to get Daron Espria a game. We'll send him down to Timbers too. And we'll see how he does. Right. You can't do that anymore. So Kansas city's held their own, but I mean, ugh, as the Midwest guy, my, my heart really goes out to St. Louis FC. I spent a week down there last year, covered a couple of games, the U.S. Open Cup win over Cincy, uh, a win over North Carolina. I mean, it, it, it's just the, the St. Louisans deserve everything that they haven't gotten, frankly. And it's been amazing to watch Indy down the stretch kind of forget who they are compared to how they'd started the restart in July. So there's been that. Meanwhile, Louisville figured out how to play at home again which is not good news for anybody right 
And um, I, I think it's been it's been a very competitive group. I mean, look, like yeah, you can say Group B, and and I'll I'll hear you out. I mean, you have four teams over twenty points. Like that's pretty unheard of. I I, I get that. Um, I just like I never I never had the same sort of belief in some of the teams in Group B to like yes, there's get points off of each other, but to truly like make a playoff run, I think that. Phoenix was the only team that I saw like that could make it past the first two rounds of the postseason, for example. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I'm looking and the only group where I'm confident there's a, there are two teams that could in theory make it to the USL championship final. That's group E to me. So I think there's also the argument to be made where when you look at group B, I feel like this entire season, there was never really a question of who was going to win the group or have the highest number of points in the group. Whereas when you look at group E, you can genuinely as a sports fan or as somebody who covers this league, look at that group and say, yes, at one point in time over the last three months, I had somebody different in that top spot. Oh, for sure. I I thought that Indy was going to like run away with the East. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like we had Tyler Blackwood on the show. I mean, at this point, it might have been a, a month and a half ago or two months ago. Which is ago. forever in 2020 times. Which is yeah. forever, right. Um, and, and he was so confident. They were coming off a, a massive win. And they, he was pretty much like, give us the credit we deserve. And, and Scott and I were both like, okay, like we're, we're bought in. I mean, and here we are. It's just, it's, I think it's, it's really kind of interesting the way the groups have kind of played into the postseason scenarios and how everyone can truly have such a, a honestly different take on the level with all these groups and I think that that's I mean that's such a good way of looking at it too is like who could who did you think could have won the group um because like group a they had a couple right Reno Reno Sacramento it it seemed like that was going to go back and forth group C El Paso New Mexico was running away with it for a while now it looks like that group's pretty settled San Antonio Louisville Indy Pittsburgh always looked like they're going to win group F group F also by the way it always looked like Hartford I think I even texted you on draw day like congrats to Hartford I'm making yeah yeah I think I did. Um, and then, like, yeah, Birmingham looked like they should have. North Carolina really disappointed. I don't know if we're doing a most disappointing teams of 2020 segment, but it might just be the North Carolina segment. I don't know. It might, it uh, might be. Yeah. Listen, there's so much on the line, though, in, as we head into week 15. One week left of the regular season, and we still have five spots yet to be claimed as we try to kind of fill in this 2020 postseason picture. So I want to put you on the spot here as okay. – as I, I love to do, and have you give me your predictions of who's going to fill those final five slots. We can talk it through, and I can kind of give you your moment to, to defend your choices if you feel like you need to, um, but I think we can go by groups here to make it a, a little bit easier for so you. So we're at group B first, right? We're at group B first, yeah, and obviously we have a hot race there between um, LA and San Diego and um, Orange County. So That's the hardest to figure out. But it's nothing to do with the teams involved. Well, it's nothing to do with the games yet to be played. It's everything to do with one game that was played already. With San Diego wanting to abdicate their one point from the result against Los Dos. Um, and how do you solve that? And I don't think that there's been like a, an announced resolution yet. And I certainly know that yesterday there were still conversations about how to fix this. But like, if, if, if you keep that result for the Galaxy... And if you drop that point as San Diego has requested, then they're up by a point <laughs> in the standings. And that causes all kinds of headaches because then you say, okay, can you have a team advance to the postseason by one point over a team who dropped a point because they requested a kind of a after the fact forfeit? Um, so group B is just, I, I can't, it's too soon. 
to say. I think that I, we need some resolution on that. I think that if I was just going to say, like, who's the second best team in this group this year, I'd say San Diego Loyal. Okay. Um, they finally figured out how to score goals, which is very encouraging if you're them. Um, they, I mean, they beat Phoenix, which is also a good sign of progress. But their defense has always been really good, which is also very commendable for a team that has been missing the reigning defender of the year for the majority of the season. So... I, I think that San Diego would be very hard done if they miss it, especially if it was by that one point. But I, I think that they sent a very strong message about, you know, the club's values and priorities and all that stuff too. So I just, you know, I commend them for it, but it does make this group very difficult to project. Um, the group's been so difficult for all of 2020. So, I mean, what, like, it's only right, I think, that we come into the final week of the season and we're still looking at Group B and now there's another, um, you know, kind of a, a bump in the road there or something that right. the is going to try to have to, you know, be put in a position to figure out. And we might not know until, you know, next Sunday, Monday, Tuesday uh, right. uh, of what that's going to look like. But right. um, can you and, look- and people love, to be fair, following soccer in the United States for the off-field decision-making and rules and stipulations. These are the things that make every soccer fan excited. It's not the games. It's all of the American soccer-iness of American soccer. So yes, stay tuned. That's, that's the soccerist group uh, of all of them. Um, group D, yeah, you've got Tulsa and Austin. Um, boy, there isn't a ton to separate these two, is there? <laughs> it's not. And the, each of them have given each other plenty of opportunities to to take control of Group D, and they've kind of chosen not to each time. So the number yeah. of ties that these two teams have managed, like it's just it's so hard because like they they've lost not many games, but um, yeah, I guess watch they're gonna just tie the rest of the games this year, and then <clears throat> we won't have a clear resolution either. <laughs> I will say Austin. Why? Because I think that they've come through a more difficult year when you factor everything that's gone on at the club, the hardship for Circuit of the Americas. Um, I'm just an Ish Jones guy. They have a guy from Minnesota. Like he was like yeah. the first, he left college early to play for the Loons in the NASL. Um, he's, he's really finally shown a lot of the promise that he had had. Um, that didn't quite translate to the MLS level yet, but now he's really put it together last season with Colorado and then this year with San Antonio. Um, or not San Antonio, with Austin. I'm staring at the standings again. Uh, so I, I like that. Um, I think that that is going to be the least. I, we're starting with like my two least confident, which is a terrible way to get into a segment with me being like, wow, gosh, who could say? Which is not what anyone wants from an analyst, but I will say that talked yourself out of the Austin decision as we've gone through the last like minute and a half. But like, I don't know. I mean, like there's still, there's still some, how do you reschedule the games with RGV? And, and so that's going to change a lot. I mean, on points per game, Austin is behind Tulsa. Tulsa hasn't lost in their last five, but Tulsa has also shown to be very vulnerable to like dropping games late and settling for a point. And that's not a very good thing to bring into the playoffs. I will say whichever team advances, I am fairly confident would lose the opener in the postseason to most likely El Paso. Um, So I I think that that's more of the discussion that I'd probably focus on. But yeah, I I guess I'll say Austin because they're in second and I have like 5% confidence in that. Okay, so Austin it is. San Diego uh, and Group B. Austin for Group D. Group E. 
Ugh, I've got to pick Indy. Yeah. And it breaks my heart. It makes sense. Like, it is theirs to screw up, right? Yep. Yep. Well, I mean, they play SKC2 midweek. And, like, if they win that, it's done. And then they don't have to worry about that last game against St. Louis because that last game would be unbelievable if there's still a sliver of hope. Like, if they draw against SKC2 or if they lose, like, that game is the game of the weekend. Oh, yeah. Pure and simple. And I'd love it. I would love that. I mean, again, like, I, I love that club, St. Louis FC. It, like, it, it is very disappointing how that's all going to work out for them. But I think they left it late. I think that they've just been a little too cardiac of a team, just a team that is too, like, our emotions are getting into us. We're down by two. Now let's make our run, and we're up by one. We've got to close it out, and then suddenly you let someone slip through the back door. Uh, the X factor, and it, it's something I, I just wrote, probably is publishing on Tuesday, today, as we're recording this. Uh, but I, I spoke with Andrew Carlton, and just the, the difference of that indie team and that Rennie attack with Carlton on the field at 100% compared to with this wrist, this fractured uh, hand that he's had, um, where he's had to drop in and out of the lineup. Like, they're, they're playing completely differently. Tyler Pasher looks like a completely different attacker without the service he was getting from Carlton. If you can get him healthy in time for the postseason, uh, they're going to be a very scary proposition in the first round of the postseason. And if he is still at 80 85%, uh, that's a completely different team. And I think that you'll look back at that early early summer run and just kind of wonder why they couldn't sustain it. And that would be one of the more disappointing drop-offs, I think, of the entire season. Oh, I think that would be a heartbreaker for a lot of people in this league to see what Indy could have accomplished coming into 2020 as debatably one of the most um, talented teams, I think, in the USL Championship, without a doubt. And it was just like across the field too. Like there are some teams that are like really good in the attack, but the defense is leaky or the goalkeeper has some questions, whatever. Like they were like solid through across the pitch. Like it was very, a very well put together roster. It still is. I'm talking about them like the team folded, but it's, um, they just haven't lived up to what they've shown they can be. That's the other thing too. We've seen it. It isn't a situation where you're like, okay, well, I, I think that there's more there, right? Like they've shown it. There is more there. There just hasn't been lately. And unless they can turn that around, over this week. And, and you could, you could get two wins and suddenly you have the most momentum of any team in the league in theory. So it's, it's still all there, but yeah, that, that would be a very disappointing drop off. I think compared to a previous could definitely change a lot of things uh, uh, for Indy 11 final one here in group G. Um, I, I know that it's kind of obvious. I think at this point who those two top teams are going to be, but I think my, the better question for you is which one's going to end up in that mm-hmm. number spot in group G. So, I I really want to say Birmingham, but the way that, like, if you just look at how the two teams have played over, down the stretch, like, Charlotte has been one of the hottest teams in the East. I, I think that they've really risen to the occasion. I think that their defense has stepped up. Um, the amount of, like, work that Brandon Miller has had to do in goal and the number of shots that he has to like take on every game is just un- inhumane at times. And he's done so well to, to keep them in games. I mean, like they, they had a three-game winning streak. They, they've really made this a conversation. But I, I just think that this kind of weird teetering act that we've seen from Birmingham, again, it, it's a lot like Indy. Like, it's, it's not what we thought that this team would be. They, they got you know, some, some really good pieces in late. I think that they got JJ Williams late and that was supposed to be something that was going to really boost the attack even further. And instead it's kind of stalled it out as they're trying to figure out how to reintegrate this player. Um, 
I still think that ultimately they can they can pull it off. I think that they probably should. They're just going to need a, a couple of good Nico Brett goals, and then they'll be just totally fine. Um, Memphis, it really depends what version of that team shows up as well. But uh, I, I think overall I've got Birmingham one in that and then Charlotte two going into the postseason. I tell you what, week 15 is going to have a, a, a lot of questions and hopefully a lot of answers. And um, I was hoping I'd get a bit more from you today, Jeff, but it looks like you are just as much on the fence as Scott and I are at the moment. But It's the logistics <laughs> stuff. How can you, I don't know, yeah, it's, it's, I'll blame logistics. It's nothing to do with either of our takes. It is. It definitely makes me feel better. You're one of our experts and you're as, you know, co- confused as we are. So it definitely, you know. Yeah. Helps my ego a little bit. I will. I will say that much. I will say though. I mean, like once the postseason matchups come out, and once it's clear, one two, one two, one two, one two, I'm all in. Let's do that. Like I, I'm happy to do that. And we'll get your takes without a doubt because uh, once that postseason scenario and we have that picture in place, Jeff Brewer is going to have a few opinions about the way that's going to go without a question. You bet. You bet. All right, Jeff. Appreciate you as always hopping on today. Um, uh, you know, you're, you're our all-time guest on, on Steal Some Time, the all-time leader on, on Steal Some Time. So take that for what it is. As always, we, we love having you on and appreciate any and all analysis you can bring to the table. So. Of course. And, and good work, by the way. I just want to say, too, um, like, this has been a very weird season to try to navigate. And I, I know that there are probably some, some other challenges working from home, all of this stuff, too. But I think that all of you at the league office have done a tremendous job keeping this thing going. So I uh, just want to commend you. I mean, on the, on the forward-facing side of it, too, the social side, the, the audio side, you guys have done some tremendous stuff this year, too. So uh, good work. I hope that the postseason brings just some added excitement and a little boost in a difficult time of the year. Um, and keep up the good work, as always. Oh, Jeff, I appreciate that. And hopefully we'll be seeing you out there at the USL Championship Final on November 1st. Sounds great. Hey, everybody. This is Matt Van Okel of the Birmingham Legion, and we are here with Steel Sometime. All right, we're back in to Steel Sometime. Scott, I, I think Jeff Fruiter is a little sour, to say the least, that this is his first time on in 2020. What do you think? Yeah, we'll get him like a, we'll get him a t-shirt or make him a graphic, like all-time appearance leader. You know, you gotta, you gotta oh. serve Jeff a little bit just to to make him feel good again. But um, if anything, Kelsey just made my job easier because now I have significantly less to say because that's just that's the testament to Jeff Fruiter. That guy gets the league and he knows it super well significantly less to say not many words you ever hear out of scott stewart's mouth so this this might be a we're working on it the process process. we're gonna get a t-shirt coming jeff's way that has our two caricature heads on it and an all-time appearance leader on it that's that's gonna happen for you jeff we we promise you uh we're gonna get into some big uh moments across social this week because obviously with with Everything going on between, you know, the the election year heating up and postseason coming, um, we're having a lot come our way, and um, that this week obviously was no different. Um, so on September 23rd, San Diego Loyal and LA Galaxy they played a match that resulted in a, a 1-1 draw. Unfortunately, during that game, an LA Galaxy two player directed a racial slur at an SD Loyal player 
In return, the league fined, uh, excuse me, they uh, suspended the players six games. Uh, but San Diego actually took to Twitter on Friday, the 25th, announcing their decision to officially forfeit the point, which uh, Jeff obviously spoke about in our interview, um, that they earned in that match. So um, San Diego Loyal's chairman actually was quoted saying, we don't even want to recognize being a part of a match where these type of actions take place, which is a very, very powerful statement, I think, especially from, you know, you're the head man in charge. Um, so this statement actually, it gained a ton of traction across social media this past week from the likes of Grant Wall, Jimmy Conrad, Jason Davis. So uh, a really, truly strong, unified statement out of San Diego Loyal. Um, but I, I think more than anything, Scott, staying true to their name, a, a decision like this carries a ton of weight and to put their brand and their identity and loyalty above a playoff race and standing for something that, that's much bigger than, than, than the now, you know, where points are vital, I think it shows exactly who this club is. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I'm almost hesitant to, to espouse too much on it because I think that their statement says enough, right? Like, yeah. they were, it was very, very well spoken, very well said. Um, certainly an applaudable decision, to say the least, especially considering that that point could be the difference between San Diego playing in the playoffs and not. Um, we obviously, anytime a situation like this arises, like the whole, like you hate to see it doesn't even do it justice. Right. Because right. you do actually hate to see it. That's not like a condescending or like a playful term. It's, it's disgusting. It's abhorrent. but, um, it, I appreciate San Diego's candor. I appreciate their willingness to stand up for something that is obviously like, that's not just one member of their team. That's not just one member of their organization to them. That was a representation of a much, much bigger thing than the San Diego Loyal could ever be, right? So I think it's, um, like I said, I applaud them for making that decision. It, it probably was not an easy decision for them to talk through, through. But if this is precedent moving forward, then you can't ask for a better precedent from any club. So Proud to, proud to know those guys, proud of Andrew, proud of Warren, proud of Landon, obviously proud of the, the players um, for the decision that they made. But um, at the same time, still just extremely upset that we were ever in a situation that required uh, something to be done like that. Absolutely. Uh, I, th I think you said it all, Scott. So we'll, we'll move on to our, our second social media moment of the week. And um, that's actually the USL announcing that um, the, the league and the USL Black Players Alliance are actually partnering with ActiVote and Civic Alliance um, to help create voter awareness and um, participation in the upcoming election. So for those of you who aren't super aware, the Civic Alliance is a, a business coalition. So they just kind of aim to strengthen um, America's democracy. They support safe, healthy, um, and a trusted election. And then you have ActiVote, um, which is like an, actually just an online app. And it's been shown to increase voter participation by 40% and, you know, just provides details on the candidates and things like that. So um, I, a, a really cool, unified, I think, act there from the league and the, and the Black Players Alliance to just kind of further get out the, you know, the information and um, the support, really, for, for the community here with the election coming up in a month. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. And I think that um, it's very easy to say, like, it, it stinks that we have to have something this large to, like, create a movement like this, but it would be just as easy to have this greater movement going on and not do anything with it. Right. Mm -hmm. So again, it's a testament to the black players Alliance. It's a testament to the, to the voting coalition that like 
they feel so passionately about getting this message out and encouraging people like, hey, you might feel like just one individual lost in the sea of a thousand voices, but that one voice still speaks volume. So like, use it, get out there, do something with yourself. And I think that it's just nice that um, with everything going on right now, there's still an opportunity to tell people like, hey, you matter, your voice matters, your opinion matters. So like, make sure that we can play a part, a small part in allowing those people to feel encouraged by that. And hopefully actually going out and doing something with it as well. Well, I think we're seeing a lot of companies also giving um, their employees the ability to vote by giving them the full day off. I saw it with the Tampa Bay Rowdies and, and Ray's ownership. Obviously, the, the league headquarters is doing the same. And I think we'll, you know, see a, a lot more of that with other sports organizations. But um, I just think it's, it, it's a really uh, a powerful uh, move by leadership to kind of give their employees that opportunity. So, well, and um, like you, you look at um, even looking at the NBA, like the 76ers and the Milwaukee Bucks, like like literally allowing their arenas to be transformed into voting centers. Like right, right. you practice what you preach. And a lot of times sports teams and sports leagues preach about being like very fan first, like, Oh, we care about them. But like, if you're not actually doing something in your community, how fan first are you actually? So this is, this is just, again, not even a cherry on top because it's so much bigger. This is another layer of the cake. We'll put it that way to allow for more voices to be heard and more engagement. So um, two really poignant social media moments of the week for sure. Absolutely. And one final moment here. We got to look, look ahead to week 15, Scott, because there's some facts on the table here. One week, one week remains in the 2020 USL Championship regular season. I can, I can believe it. I also can't believe it all at the same time. It's, it's been obviously the weirdest and the busiest season probably ever. Um, we've got five spots to fill and they are going to be filled during this time. We are going to have answers here in the next seven days. And Scott, this has to be the kind of stuff that you live for when it comes to, to working in sports and being a fan in sports. Um, uh, week 15 is just exciting, point blank. Yeah, it's one of those things where I, when you first said, like, it's hard to believe we're in the last week of the regular season, I immediately jumped back to when we were first recording the pod again, and we were like, isn't it crazy that it's July? And like, <laughs> <laughs> and like here we are um, going into the, the first weekend of October. October is in, like, two days. but. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is it, right? Like, this is everything that you live for. Um, you know that you really only have one opportunity to, to finish the season on a high or a low note. So it's like, let's see who steps up. Honestly, every, nearly every game matters in some way, shape, or form, whether it's clinching a spot or talking about points in the group, um, you know, clinching a group, whatever it may be. So it's harder to focus, I think, on a select number of games this week. We're going to do our best, but um, we went over it with Jeff. If you're vying for those spots in Group B, Group D, Group E, and then, you know, the direction there that Group G is going to go in, you got to take care of business this week that you it's, it's in your hands. And I think that starts with Indy on Wednesday. They win they're in. They're in the driver's seat in group E. So right off the, right off the cuff here, Indy and um, sporting Casey too. Is this the opportunity that Indy is going to capitalize on? I think so. Right. And last time SKC two came and did not go Indy's way. I think that the best thing that happened for Indy out of that game was that Christian Pulisic quote tweeted, uh, a video that had Lucas Oil Stadium in the background, right? Like, I think that's that's probably the only bonus that they had. But um, I think Indy is is well aware that, like, this is it. And I think that it's, a, it's obviously not necessarily you're not approaching it like a final, right? Because you do have St. Louis, but you just don't – when we talked about this a little bit last week, you just don't want to get there, right? You just don't yeah. want to have to look at Saturday night as, like, 
this is it for us, like do or die. Why not take the opportunity to take all three points from SKC2 and just put it to bed, use Saturday night as a nice tune-up, and then move into whatever playoff game you're traveling to, um, either Pittsburgh or Hartford, as like the, all right, now it's business time. So we'll put Wednesday night as business casual and the first round of the playoffs as like business professional. As business casual. Well, and obviously if Indy drops that game, Scott, you're talking about, and, and Jeff said, you're talking about that St. Louis Indy game on Saturday being the game of the week without a doubt. So if Indy wants to avoid that pressure and really take that load off their shoulders, get those three points in on Wednesday. If not Saturday, you're looking like a big, big time show uh, there, there in prime time. And then of course we've got two big implications there with group D on Wednesday, Tulsa, Oklahoma city, and then RGV in Austin vying for those group spots. Do you see each of those, you know, Tulsa and Austin getting points out of those two matchups? I do. I think yeah. that I think that Tulsa probably beats OKC and mm-hmm. Austin probably beats RGV, which doesn't leave any of them in a better position relative to each other than before. Uh, just following the pattern, right? That's yeah, just-, just following the pattern. Big patterns, guy. But um, Tulsa and OKC, their meeting earlier in the season – was exciting but didn't really produce anything. So Tulsa really can't afford to draw this game, right? And there's still a likelihood that Tulsa has to play that makeup game against RGB, the game that, that the league is holding only if it needs to be played post-regular season. There's still a likelihood that needs to get done, but that's if Tulsa wins. So Tulsa knows that they need to keep pace with Austin. Austin essentially knows if, if they win out, they're uh, maybe not completely set in stone, but like, Assuming Tulsa drops points, if Austin wins out, it's out of Tulsa's hands. So, like, Austin's going to go into RGV on Wednesday thinking to themselves, three points. The problem is Austin goes into Saturday night against San Antonio FC thinking we need three points. Um, One of those is not like the other, and I think we'll let the audience figure out which game is going to be easier for Austin. But um, hoping for some answers out of Group D on Wednesday night. Obviously, if we get some answers regarding um, San Diego's forfeit, that will help kind of play into their matchup with Phoenix on Wednesday and exactly knowing what the cards kind of lay there with them and and the implications there. Um, But, uh, of course, on Saturday, another large slate as well and quite a few games on Sunday too. But uh, you mentioned Tampa Bay and Charleston on Saturday. That's that's a big one. One, if if Tampa Bay wants to have all those points there for the Eastern Conference. But – also to remain undefeated at Lang in 2020. So, yeah, that's a big one too, Scott. Yeah, it's huge. And, I mean, we talked about it earlier, so I won't take up too much time. But it's just like both of these teams, this is the beauty of this situation. Both these teams know going into it that they need to win. So it's like who is going to give, who is going to take, and what does that look like? I'm just glad that we only have to dedicate an hour and 45 minutes because if I had to do any more, then I'd miss the rest of the action on Saturday night. So it's um, the onus is on both. Plenty of it to be had week 15. It's gearing up on uh, Wednesday night at 5 p.m. Eastern. Before we get out of here, though, Matt Calvo, I know you've got a a hot topic for Scott and I, so uh, you have the floor. It's a hot topic, all right. So, yeah, Kelsey has started Game of Thrones. uh, So in kind of honor of that um, game, board games, favorite board game or best board game to play especially now during these quarantine times all right i'm good um, who who won kelsey did you win last week yeah, <laughs> yeah. all right all right so you, you, <laughs> i just figured you i i never remember because i know you guys always will so kelsey you never really remember because usually i always win 
Yeah, there's that. Kelsey, whenever you're ready, go ahead. All right. Um, this one's pretty easy for me. I'm going with a game of sorry. Um, I think it's got a, a level of competitiveness and, um, you know, when you go into a game of sorry, there's nothing like when you can attack somebody, you can completely crush them. And I think if you're going to take a, a kid's game and make it an adult game, adding that level of competitiveness and just crushing somebody's dream and one of the best board games ever created, Sorry's going to do that for you. And I think it's also one of those, you can probably make a drinking game out of it too. So double kids and adults. Yeah, I don't think you've ever had a more on-brand answer. <laughs> Actually, you're right. <laughs> I think I heard Scott. Scott except, is okay. except I think you would. I would think you would call it not sorry. Oh yeah, sorry, not sorry. All right, Dude, Scott. That, that was my answer. Oh no. My answer. Can you give a better justification? Uh, you know what, Matt? I'll figure it out. All right. When you're ready, go ahead. Figure it out. I was gonna say if it was gonna be sorry, but um. Maybe Monopoly, but Monopoly takes too long. So I think I'll probably just pivot and um, I'll say risk because I'm a big risk guy. I think that it's a, it's a game that like gets everybody involved. It's not overly complicated. It's fun for an X amount of time too. So you're not sitting there like Monopoly where you're like, oh my God, we've been playing this for five hours. Like, is this ever going to end? Um, but it's very strategic too. And I love being able to like pinpoint others' weaknesses and then capitalize on them. So I will say that risk only because... Uh. It has a limit, and you can involve everyone. I've never um, real quick, the correct answer right. was Clue. Dude, oh, I was, I was maybe Clue. I didn't know if that would fit our like board game mantra, though. That was that would have been that would have been the automatic win for either of you. Uh, having said that, I'm a big risk guy myself. Scott Stewart, you win. Wow! Wow! Did not see that coming. Week 15 surprises all around. Plot twist. Plot twist. I'm all about it. I'm all about Plot it. twist. Scott wins a, a game for once. That tells you anything about week 15. We have no idea what's coming, you guys. Hey, my confidence is in one thing and one thing only, and it's that I just won this game. So let's do it. You heard it here. Games across the board, you guys. Week 15, final week of the regular season. It all begins Wednesday night. You're going to want to tune into this one. Our playoff picture is almost set. We'll catch you next time on Steal Some Time. Mm-hmm.